Hey, this is Robbie Baseball from the Dingers Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 241, Comfort Movies. Chris McBrien along with Derek Myers and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Just in time for the holidays, really, we've decided to talk about comfort movies. Those are the the movies that you return to again and again, you know, that always make you feel good, right? Basically the movie version of comfort food. But before we get to our lists, what pop culture can you educate me on this week, my friend Derek? Hey, Chris. All right. I'm going to give you the fast five. I'm going to try and get these five movies done in five minutes. Nice. We're still, we're working on the title. We might change it from fast That's five. That's fine. But before right, the ticking just, clock comes in, I'm go. I'm going to start the clock. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, I had a chance to go to the theater this week and oh. watch the new Avatar film, oh. Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Is it like three and hours long or something? It is three hours wow. and 15 minutes long. And of course, we had to sit through 25 minutes of commercials before the movie even started. So get comfortable, folks. Uh, it was good. I liked it. I'm glad that we just recently rewatched the first Avatar for uh, our review a couple of weeks ago. Uh, everything was still fresh. But no, it was great. I mean, it, it's everything you expect from Avatar. Uh, if you haven't seen the first one in a while, you're not going to be lost. The special effects were great. Some parts of the story seemed to drag a little bit. Some of the character development seemed a little bit you know, unnecessary in my mind, given that the movie was so long, but it's, uh, it clearly sets up what this next third movie is going to be all about, but this one is still very self-contained. It stands, stands on its own quite well. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend going to see it and I would definitely recommend trying to see it in the theater if you can, it's, it's worth the money. Is it better than the first one or the first one? Um, no, I think the original is better simply because okay. the original was a first time you're seeing this new concept. Mm-hmm. This was sort of, you know, going back to Pandora. So a lot of the wow factor is gone because you've if you've already seen the first one, you know what to expect. But if you're a younger person who be like, it's been 13 years since the first movie. So if you're uh, if you never got a chance to see the first one in the theater, I think there will definitely be a lot of that wow factor involved. So I, I just saw some of the trailers and stuff online. I was like, the special effects look pretty dark. Oh, good. they were fantastic. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Uh, Turner Classic Movies. I saw two different movies on the Turner Classic Movies this week. Uh, One of them, I think we may have to question the C in classic, but the first one definitely is capital C classic. 1925, The Gold Rush, starring Charlie Chaplin. Oh, there's a beautiful one. I've never seen it before. I've what never do you think? seen a, I never saw a Charlie Chaplin movie before, oh, and I geez. think this is the oldest movie I've ever watched. It's almost 100 years old. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It is good. It was really good. I thought it really held up, even though it's 100 years old. Um, yeah. Modern Times by him is even better, but yeah. uh, like Gold Rush is good. It was really good. Really, really good. Strong recommendation for me. If you ever a chance to see this, uh, definitely. If it's on the TCM again, record it. It's worth it. The what? second one I saw was a quote-unquote classic from 1984. Oh, that's a classic. Starring Robert Urich, The Ice Pirates. Oh, jeez. I remember that. I've never seen it, but I remember like the, uh, the marketing and stuff for it. So it was right around the same time as Megaforce. I remember I always get, got those two confused. Yeah, it was, uh, let's just say it was not great. Uh, I remember seeing <laughs> this as a kid in 1984 and loving it. And when I was rewatching it this week, all the memories of the movie started flooding back to me. Nice. And uh, I I enjoyed it from that nostalgia point of view, but sure. oh my God, it was so bad. I don't know how they got away with putting it on the Turner Classic movie channel, but Ice Pirates had not seen it since 84. I don't think I need to see it again anytime soon. It had a lot of cringy stuff in it, but uh, if, if Turner yeah. Classic Movies is going to put on a classic movie from 1984, you would think like Ice Pirates might be like really low on that list. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so figure. anyway, it was a fun revisit, but uh, yeah, it, it did not hold up very well. Nice. And then I had a chance to watch two documentaries. Oh, sorry, did you say documentaries? For 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentaries. 
nice way to take us into the into the new year. There you go. Nice. Uh, so the first one I watched was a movie a documentary on HBO about filmmaker Kevin Smith, and it's called Clerk. Obviously, a play on his film Clerks, and it's basically just a biography about him. And cool. so, if you're if you're a fan of his work, or you maybe are like, what's he been doing for the last fifteen years since he really stopped making movies? This was a you know a very candid tell all. And as a fan of his work, I enjoyed this a lot, and I did learn a little bit about um, how some of the movies got made that I didn't know. I mean, I listened to his podcast today, and I I uh, I've seen most, of, if not all, of his movies. Oh no! There's the ticker. Oh jeez. Stop that ticker. It's a minute too early. Um, in any case, the um, the the movie. Okay, you got to stop that ticker. It's just super annoying. Oh, no, they've cut off his microphone. Oh, jeez. Oh, hold on. Stop this. Bring it. Get, get him back in here. Get Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. There you go. You're back in. All right. All right. I'll be quick. So anyway, Clerk, uh, it's a documentary on HBO about Kevin Smith. If you like Kevin Smith, give it a watch. If you're not a fan of his work, you're probably not going to dig this, but uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And the last one I watched was a series on the History Channel. And, you know, when you think History Channel, you think, I want to watch a show about Pawn Stars or I want to watch a show about ice truckers. This one was actually about history for like the first time ever. It was a six-hour documentary series called The Booze, Bets, and Sex That Built America. And it was all about the um, how the companies Anheuser-Busch, Jack Daniels Whiskey, um, the the uh, cigarette industry in, in the U.S., how the New York State Lottery got started, how Vegas got started. It was all the thi- how condoms, Sheik's condoms, how they or Ramsey's condoms started in New York, how that all started. It's all the like the vices from the turn of the century and how they were all like super legal and super shady when they got started. And now today they're like billion and billions of dollars being generated by these things. So it was actually quite informative and very entertaining uh, on the History Channel. Yeah, it was a, a six hour document two. Pardon me, three two-hour parts called The Booze, Bets, and Sex That Built America. It was quite strong. So check that out if you got the History Channel. All right. Very cool. And I went over time. And we may have to start giving me more than five minutes because even though I only had five (laughs) things, it took a while. And I think your clock was running fast because my clock only said four minutes and 20. That's our producer. Take it out on him. It wasn't me. Speaking of Sloth, the movie The Ice Pirates, one Mm -hmm. of the characters is John Matsuzak, who plays Sloth Sloth. in the Goonies. He was one of the guys in Ice Pirates. Yeah, he's eyeing me up there from behind the glass. So, no. Okay, so for me, my youngest son, as you know, is 10 years old, uh, Derek. So, in an effort to prove to my son that that I'm like a hip dad, I mentioned to him that Ash and Pikachu will no longer be the stars of the Pokemon shows. And, you know, just show, just to show that I'm, you know, I'm up on all the latest Pokemon stuff because I heard about it online. Right. And of course, I tell him this and he's like, yeah, I know, dad, I've known for a while. I'm like, he's I'm like, oh, geez. And, he, and then he starts rattling off all these versions of Pokemon, the show. There's like Pokemon Sun and Moon, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Pokemon X and Y. And so I say to him, I'm like, hold on a second, hold on a second. You're forgetting about the very best version of the show. Pokemon Hall and Oats. What? (laughs) And he just looks at me, he's like, what? I'm like, Pokemon Hall and Oats. You know, I'm like, you never heard of that show? It's got a great theme song. It goes, private eyes, they're watching you. They see your every move. And he's like, dad, stop. Just stop. And I'm like, they're watching you, watching you, watching. He's like, just stop. So I think needless to say, I didn't really do do much to move the needle on the whole dad is hip thing. You know, so. Not in the direction you wanted anyway. Exactly. So speaking of that, here we go. Here's your dad joke of the week. So Derek, (laughs) my wife told me to stop singing I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Or else she would kill me. At first, I didn't believe her, but then I saw her face. Oh man! Uh, did you hear my eyes rolling? Just a bit outside. Hey, bartender, Joe Boo needs a refill. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Vagisil. I have a giant box of video cassette tapes. Our parents love that movie. I'm like, oh, jeez. And a working VCR. That's all we got? 
one goddamn hit? Terrible. Play like maze, run like haze. You may run like maze, but you hit like He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. Okay, so before we get into our lists for this topic, I think it might help if we define exactly what we mean by the term comfort movies. So we've all heard of comfort food, you know, basically food that's familiar, you know, food that you love. It just makes you feel good. I actually looked up and I got a definition offline. I think it's quite perfect. And it's comfort food is a food that provides a nostalgic or sentimental value. And I'm like, that's perfect. Like that applies to movies too. Like I've always thought this is a thing, comfort movies. You know, those movies that you've just seen a bunch of times are familiar and you love them and just makes you feel good to watch them. So I call them comfort movies. We've all got them, I think, you know, and, and but, you know, you and I, Derek, we just wanted to go the extra step and sort of quantify them. So sure. we're going to do that by listing our top five comfort movies. So, Derek, before I like I brought this up to you as a potential topic here on the show. Um, before that, though, had you ever thought of, you know, certain movies this way? Well, not using those words, but definitely the, the idea. And the so. Uh, yeah, so I've I've mentioned on so many of our podcasts. I keep plugging the the rewatchables on the Ringer Network, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and they sort of that's sort of the heart and soul of what they're doing as well. The idea that a movie is rewatchable. That if you happen to turn on the television, and no matter what part of the movie it is, you're like, oh, this part's coming up. I'm just going to sit and watch it. And the next thing you know, you've watched the entire movie. And for me, that's sort of how I view like a comfort movie is is if I'm flipping through the channels and I see it. No matter what else I'm doing, I'm 99% of the time, I'm just going to stop and keep watching it. Or if there's nothing else on, I'm going to call it up on the streaming service. Or if I had the DVD or Blu-ray, I'm going to throw it in. And that was sort of how I measured it, it you know, because I have a lot of favorite movies. And my wife, I have talking to her about it today, and she had thrown a few suggestions at me. And I was like, yeah, I definitely love those movies, but I don't see myself going out of my way to put them on you know, either to make myself feel good or to, to pass the time or, or that kind of thing. So I, that those were sort of the, the criteria I used to bake my list were, were those movies that when they're on, I'm going to stop to watch them. If I'm looking for something to watch and I'm, I just want something familiar that's, that gives me that comfort level, I'm going to throw it on. And, uh, I'm surprised that, uh, three of my five picks are, uh, like quite recent, um, wow, and we, we'll talk a little bit about that as I hit those notes. As I hit Very those notes, cool. Yeah, I think for me, like just a, a comfort movie, the concept. It just it's a movie that I just know so well. It's just yeah, this familiar, comfortable experience. It just makes me feel good just to keep going back to it. You know, so uh, you want to start me off with your number five comfort movie? What do you got? Yeah, my number five comfort movie, and and this might come as a bit of a surprise because it's an action movie and it's recent, and we actually did a review of it on our podcast a while back, and that is the 2010 adaptation of the TV show The A-Team, starring Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper. We did do that. I love this movie, and I know you didn't really care for it, Mm -hmm. but to me, it's one of those ones. It's... I, I. no matter what part it's at, I'm like, oh, this great sequence is coming up. And then I have to keep watching it. I, it, whenever it's, it's on, I'm just, I'm watching it. It's, I, we quote it all the time. There's a bunch of quotes from this movie that, that my wife and I quote to each other. And that we talk about with our peer group. Like to me, if, if, if you're throwing about random quotes from a movie, it obviously stuck with you and, and made it a positive impact on you or it was ridiculously over the top, which this movie certainly is in some points. I think this movie's great. I love it. I, it's it's fun, but it's action-packed, but it's over the top. It's sort of that idea of throwing back to that old TV show of like, we're just going to do these crazy outlandish things. I love Bradley Cooper in general, and I think he's great in this movie. I think Liam Neeson is is, uh, is a great choice to play Hannibal Smith. And uh, I just, I really like how this movie came together. And I've, I'm surprised. I'm starting to think back how many times I've watched this movie. And I got to think it's... More than 25, less than 35, but it's somewhere in that range. Like I've seen this movie a lot and I always feel good when I watch it and it might be an odd choice, but that's my number five pick is the 18 from 2010. So something you mentioned there just kind of got me thinking about the number of times that you've seen a movie because you and I have talked before, like, you know, off air and stuff. And then you're like, how many times have you seen this movie or this movie? And I'm like, 
I honestly don't know. I've never sat down and sort of sort of quantified that in any way, you know, that I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie 30 times or this one 40 times or 10 times or whatever. Like, I don't even have a concept of some of these. I'm, if you ask me, like, my favorite movie of all time, like, how many times have I seen it? I, don't know i'd have to sit down and try and think like i i honestly don't know so it's a it's a concept that kind of escapes me a little bit i guess because i've never really quantified it well i'll keep i'll keep i've sort of made a little notes next mm-hmm. to my picks here uh, you're going to be surprised at some of the uh, my estimation of how many times i think i've seen some of the movies on my Not list say. oh like a ridiculous <laughs> number of times and i think that's a that, that's a big thing when it comes to these comfort movies they're movies you've seen a bazillion times that's oh, why that's yeah. why they're so comfortable right so I, I love the fact that you're number five. You went with an action movie because you you don't really think of an action movie as being something that would be like a comfort movie. Like I almost like kind of think for some people it'd be like like a romantic comedy or something like that. But my number five well, is an action. Uh, Chris, movie. before you jump in there, just to, to say that my mm-hmm. number five, I had two picks on the list and I yeah. crossed one off at the last second. My alternate pick was The Matrix from 1999, mm-hmm. which didn't make the cut for me. But believe me, it was right there neck and neck with the A-Team. And I think The Matrix is a superior movie. But from that comfort point of view, I had to go with the A-Team. No, that makes sense. So I'm going with a, an action movie, too, and that's Die Hard from 1988 so this one made my list partly because it's become a bit of a tradition with me and my wife so we watch this movie every year around christmas time we usually drink eggnog and by the way like some people really hate eggnog eh i hate eggnog yeah like like it's so funny I, i talk about it on social media and they're like oh eggnog's disgusting it's gross and i'm like i think the people that hate eggnog have just never really tried. Have you tried it? Uh, honestly, if I did, it would have been when I was a little kid. Yeah. See, again, so it's it's the notion of it. They're like, oh, there's eggs in it. Oh, how disgusting. It's so gross. It's. I think the people that believe that and think, oh, it's gross because like a drink with eggs in it is disgusting, have never tried it. Because I think if you actually tried it, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is so good it's so good don't let the, the whole egg thing throw you off i don't know what i'm sure there's eggs in there i guess i mean that's why they call it eggnog but i don't taste any eggs i just taste lots of sugar <laughs> and lots of nutmeg. and lots of rum and of course i put rum in it when we have it especially when we watch uh die hard so so i digress but um i've actually when it comes to the rum i've been getting this stuff called kraken rum so Every time, every time that I get up, you know me, I always like to do the same thing over and over again. I like to be no, a dead horse. I, no kidding. I know it's a surprise. So every time that I get up to get a drink when we watch, uh, when we're watching Die Hard, I always go to get the Kraken on my moment. And I always go, unleash the Kraken like this. Unleash the Kraken. And so, you know me. I'm an audiophile, right? So I love this stuff. So I created that drop and I put it on my phone. And then every time I'm like, oh, I got to get another drink. Hold on a second. Unleash the Kraken. And let me tell you, pretty much it ruins the mood for a comfort movie (laughs) when I'm doing this on my phone. But I do this with my wife. I don't know how she puts up with me. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) nothing makes you feel more secure than this. Unleash the Kraken. So there are people who say Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. They would be wrong, by the way. Um, And the thing is, like, personally, I've always loved Christmas. It just, there's something about Christmas that's very warm and cozy and comfortable. And, And you know me, I'm like a big kid at Christmas time. So what better way to enjoy the comfort of Christmas than watching a Christmas movie every year, like Die Hard. And like I say, the... The action scenes in it are great. Bruce Willis is amazing in the lead. We reviewed this movie in depth here on the podcast. Like, I don't know, back in the summer, I think we did it. This movie is a comfort movie for me. And it because it, ha- it happens every year at Christmas. So that's my number five. So nice. Good pick. Good yep. pick. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's going to be any bad movies on this pick on this list. I think this is just going to be two guys gushing about their 10 favorite movies. But yeah, all right. My, my number four pick, I don't think uh, is going to be any arguments here. And I'm surprised that it didn't make it higher on my list, but wait till we get to the rest of the movies. My number four pick, 1985 classic Back to the Future. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, yes, yeah, of course. I, I've, so I was trying to watching. guess at how many times I've seen Back to the Future. And I think if uh, the over and under was at 50, 
I think I could safely pick the over. Wow. I have seen Good. back to the, the first one. Yeah, I've seen the first one a ridiculous amount. Of, I think I saw it like six times in the theater in 1985. Like it, this has been one of my all time favorite movies since 1985. I love it. it. Even I even enjoy the sequels. Uh, I haven't seen them nearly as often as the first one, but there's just it's so good. It's it's Zemeckis directing Spielberg producing Michael J. Fox absolutely at his peak. And, you know, me, I love a time travel movie and just the banter between Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox. It's just so much to like about this movie. And it really holds up. You watch it now and it doesn't feel dated. And the fact that it takes place in 1955 and 1985 sort of helps it not feel dated, uh, in my opinion, anyway. And, uh, you know, the, the power love by Huey Lewis, and the news, one of my absolute favorite songs ever of all time. It's just, this is just a, a collision of all my favorite things in a movie. And every time I want, even just talking about it now, like I'm smiling ear to ear, it makes me feel good when I watch it. I don't feel that there are any really like parts of the movie where you're like, oh, I'm just gonna fast forward through these 10 minutes. It's like, I just think the movie hits on all cylinders, the entire run. It's so good. It's got that great ending where the, the DeLorean flies away into the future. And then it just has to be continued. And it's just like, oh, this, this movie is so great. It's such a comfort movie to me. And they show it on TV all the time. So I think I've probably watched this movie six or seven times in the last calendar year just because it's constantly on. Every time it comes on, I'm like, hey, look, Back to the Future's on again. Well, I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. This is it for me. Number four, Back to the Future. Good one. Unlike you, I'm not going to have any new newer movies. And by newer movies, I mean, of course, anything after 1989. My movies are all like the 80s. And I may even dip back into the 70s for one of those. I was going to say, that was my only one from the 80s. Everything else is beyond that wow. point. So wow. That's the only one we no may crossover have. crossover between our list, let yeah. me tell you. So I'm, you were, that was 1984. I'm going to go back a year to 1983. This one might surprise you a bit, but it's Trading Places. Really? I love this movie, Derek. It, it also, it takes place around the holidays. Maybe there's just something sort of comforting about the holidays overall that's kind of, you know, influencing me here on these ones. I don't know. But I, I do know that I love this movie. It always makes me feel good watching it. The performances of the two leads, the story, the comedy, it's John Landis at the top of his game, I think. Yeah. And I, I think one thing for me is that to achieve sort of a comfort level for a movie, it's got to be something that I've just seen over and over so much that I know the movie like the back of my hand. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's something I can put on. I just, I know that I'll just love it. And I don't have to think at all during the 90 minutes or so that I'm watching this movie. It's just, it's like escapism for me. I think that's yeah. what it is. You know, no, movies that are just, it's just so familiar. I can just escape and just kind of bury myself in these movies and just feel so comfortable. Trading Places fits the bill. For me, I saw it originally in the theater. So there's 13 year old me <laughs> in the theater seeing Jamie Lee Curtis's breasts twice in this movie and the swearing and the comedy and all the situations. But I mean, you know, it was the 80s. Right? It was the 80s. Yeah. You know, so, and then I watched it so many times on VHS over the years. This movie makes me just so, so comfortable. And then by the time you get to the end of the movie and they're like kicking it on the beach after beating the Dukes, it just it feels like yeah. home for me. I don't know. Looking good, Billy Ray. Yep. Feeling, Feeling good, good Lewis. Lewis. Yep. Yeah. So, no, this is a, that's a good pick. Yeah, and it's it funny you mentioned this. Beverly Hills Cop has been on TV the last couple of weeks a few times. And mm-hmm. I and I uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I probably should have had that on my list. That's a pretty good case. one, too. Yeah. 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 It's uh, anyway, it's not on my list. And, and that's just sort of stepping on your trading places. So. All right. Okay. On to your number three. All right. My number three. This is my most recent movie on the list. Oh, it came out last year, 2021. Wow. I've mentioned it on the podcast at least three times this past year because I keep rewatching it and I make a point of rewatching it every time I see it come through. 2021 free guys starring Ryan Reynolds. You've mentioned that. I know that it didn't get the greatest reviews from a lot of the critics, but I've watched it and watched it again and watched it again. And it's in continue ro- continuous rotation right now on HBO. Uh, so it's on all the time. And every time it comes on, I watch it. And my wife and I, we even went out and bought the Blu-ray, even though it's still in heavy rotation on HBO. We're like, look, the Blu-ray comes with all these special features. We love this movie so much. Right. Let's let's get more out of it. And I, just, I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. And I think he does a great job in this. I think the, the whole meta aspect of it, 
you know, the fact that he's playing a, a character in a video game who becomes self-aware that he's an NPC and not the hero. Um, it's got Taika Waititi in a supporting role, and he's fantastic in this. I, I think this movie's great. I love it. It's highly quotable. It's got a lot of great pop culture references. I don't know how well it's going to hold up down the road, like five years, ten years from now. It may not have that staying power, and maybe it's just recency, recency bias on my part, but... This movie makes me feel good every time I watch it, and it's got the um, the song "Fantasy" by Mariah Carey is a big part of the movie. And I never really care for that song when it was big, but I have now come to love that song because of this movie, because it's such an important part of this movie. And every time I watch this movie, you know, the song is on and it brings a smile to my face too. I mean, just like with back to the future and power love, it's like the music is a big part of the movie. And because it's such an important part of the plot as well, I I just, I love this movie. It's visually funny. Every time I watch it, I find little details in the background because when they're in the, the video game world, so much is going on around the characters that every time I watch it, I can pick out little new details. And, uh, this, this movie, I just, I love it. And I got to think I've, I've definitely seen it 20 times, maybe not 30, but it's definitely somewhere between 20 and 30, probably not as many times as the 18, but considering it's only two years old, it's on pace to be, uh, to, to, to surpass it in the very near future. So my number three pick, my most recent movie on my list is free guy. I've actually seen that movie or most of it because my kids like it and they, they, they ran it at one time, I think on, on TV and then we, they watched it a whole bunch of times in a row. Yeah. They really liked that movie too. So yeah. you, you really like Ryan Reynolds, but he's not your favorite actor. We know who that is. Matt Damon. How did, did he rank up there with Matt Damon, though? Is he close? Well, no spoilers, but Matt Damon may be making an appearance later on the list. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, Keep yeah. your finger on that button. <laughs> exactly. No finger. Okay, my number three. I'm glad you, because you mentioned this one already. It's from 1987, The Princess Bride. Oh, nice. This movie, this movie has something for everybody in it, and it definitely has something for me. So I actually recently read this book to my son. Because I was like, you know, we, we love the movie. We watch it together. And I was like, oh, let's get the book. And Had you read the book before? No, never read the oh, book. Okay. I, I saw read the movie. book years ago. Yeah, I, I did So then I read it to him. And, and it's it's very, like the movie's very true to the source material. Very, yeah. very, very true to it. And reading it, I was reminded just why I love this movie so much. It's basically a fairy tale. It absolutely is. But... I think like the Fred Savage character in the movie, you come to know that it's it's so much more than that. Like it's it's just a really, really fun movie to just sit back and watch. And at its heart, it's just an innocent and perfect story. True love, you know, and it just feels so good. It feels so comfortable. Anytime I go back to the world, the world of Gilder and Florin, you know, and the, the quotes in it, like, you know, inconceivable. Iocane powder. I bet my life on it. So great. The cliffs of insanity. It's just everything about it is just wonderful. And, you know, at the time, even when it came out, I remember uh, Andre the Giant was a bad guy, you know, in wrestling. But he was so good in this movie. Like he was one of the good guys, you know, in a way, even though he was working for that terrible guy. And just just it's just great from start to finish. Everything about it is just it's a perfect movie. Like, I just love it so much. And just right, you know, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't, I just gush about the movie. All of the cast is like perfectly cast in their roles. And you've got really kind of bigger stars like Billy Crystal in really small roles. Yeah. But just, you know, sort of just doing so much with with, with what they've got. And the material is so good. And the whole movie just from start to finish, just, it, it always makes me smile when I'm watching that movie. So it's, it's high on my list. It's number three. Princess yeah, Bride. No, it's a good it's pick. So good. It, it was, again, it was one of, I had it all on the list, considered adding it to the list, but I took it off at the last minute. I recently read in the last few years, uh, Carrie always put out a biography, mm-hmm. uh, specifically about his time making the Princess Bride movie. It was quite good. I learned a lot of behind the scenes details. He had a lot of very candid and very funny stories about his relationship with Andre the Giant. And let's just say there's a lot of stories about farting in it, which are quite <laughs> funny. Right. Uh, the uh, the scene where they do the sword fighting is absolutely my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, and an so interesting good. piece of trivia is that was the very last thing they shot because the actors wanted more time to practice their swords, swordsmanship because they both had to learn it right-handed and left-handed for the scene to work. And even though they had time before principal photography started, they both went off to, to learn how to do the fencing. 
they they just they wanted that additional confidence and so rob reiner agreed to shoot that right at the very end of the movie so that between takes of the other scenes they would practice 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 which is i think part of the reason the scene works so well as you can tell those guys really really show proficiency in that scene and uh yeah no i i love i love that movie that's a great pick all right you're number two Comfort my number two. Okay, well, there's a little callback to uh, one of my documentaries I mentioned earlier when I was Ooh. talking about Kevin Smith. So when I was at university, uh, I had, well, I still have a Laserdisc player. And so for, let's go into our Wayback Machine, little, little children. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, think of a DVD or a Blu-ray disc, but it's 12 inches long. Like it's, it's basically like a giant DVD and it played movies. So this was the only thing you could get in comparison to a VHS. If you wanted something that was digital, this was the way to do it. And, um, you literally had to turn the disc over halfway through the movie because it didn't have enough space to have an entire movie on, on the disc. So when I went away to school, I had a laser disc player, but I only had two laser discs. I had Pulp Fiction and Clerks. So my number two pick from 1994 is Clerks. And part of the reason that it's on my list is because I only had two movies, my roommates and I just rewatched those two movies over and over and over again. And a lot of times we would just put these on in the background, sort of just as like background noise. Um, but Clerks really spoke to me because I worked at Blockbuster Video. So the fact that one of the two main characters works at the video store, so much of what they were talking about were things that I could relate to because they had happened to me or I'd had a similar conversation either with my fellow employees or with the customers. And the whole thing about just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. And that's definitely true in some cases with retail. Like you just have to grin and bear it and and get through this transaction to get to the next customer. Um, but I mean, a lot of customers are great. So that's certainly not everyone. But Clerks to me is basically what podcasts are today. That's what Clerks was doing in 1994. It was giving the nerds an opportunity to see themselves on screen. And uh, it was Kevin Smith, pre-podcast Kevin Smith, basically just talking nerd talk that everybody was was doing, but nobody had ever seen on screen before. So this movie, Clerks, really hits a soft spot for me, partly because of the nostalgia factor of it was a big part of my university life because it was constantly on in the background. The fact that it spoke to me as someone who had worked at a video store and so many of my friends had worked at the video store. I met my wife working at the video store and just the, the nerd banter in the movie where they, they talk about star Wars and they talk about like ridiculous things like, you know, do you think that, uh, you know, the stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet? No, they had to have independent contractors. It's like just these bizarre discussions about your favorite pop culture things. So clerks to me is just one of those comfort movies. It's not even that I have to watch it because it's all dialogue driven. Just listening to the dialogue and listening to the rhythm of the people speaking. I love this movie. I, I think it's safe to say I've seen this movie in, or listened to this movie 60 or 70 times. Absolutely. That's probably a low estimate. I love it. I put it on in the background even to this day. It's just it makes me it reminds me of the time I was at school. It reminds me of the time I worked at the video store, even though it was 30 years ago. This is my number two clerks. I like the fact that you mentioned like that movie. I like that movie as well. And I saw that movie in the theater when it first came out. I like the fact that you mentioned you could just listen to this movie. Because it, it, it's not like there's not a lot of elaborate sets or like the framing of, of, of things, you know, from a, a theatrical or cinematic point of view are not grand. It almost plays like a like a like a play. Yeah. Where you just yeah. listen and, to what the actors are saying, you know. And so to your point, like to, to build on that, it's it's primarily dialogue driven and the visual is well, let's just say less, imp in my opinion, is mm -hmm. less important than the than the audio, the visual, less important. That's the why the black and but white works. That is absolutely why the black and white works. Uh, uh, you know, sort of a happy accident. Part of the reason it's black and white is because they didn't have enough money to do exactly. it. Exactly. But money. I, I can appreciate, and these are some of the little details I've learned over the years from rewatching and from just learning more about the movie, is the visuals of what's going on are often directly related to the dialogue. So when the two, this is, you know, for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the movie or haven't seen it in a long time, when the two employees are having incredibly filthy discussions in front of the customers and the customers are coming up to the cash to buy things, if you pay attention to what people are purchasing, their purchases are directly related to the dialogue. And they seem like you, you definitely won't pick up on that at the beginning. But if you watch it again and you pay close attention like there's a little visual details that the, the creators of the movie 
decided to put in. You don't, you know, it, you don't need to know that to get the full impact of the scene. But once you know that, that they put that thought into it, you really get a lot more out of it. So no, this, this movie clerks, I love it. And for me, this number two was either going to be clerks or Pulp Fiction. And I figure Pulp Fiction was the easy pick, but clerks I think is, is a lot more personal for me. So that's why I made it as my number two. Nice. All right. My number two, this one might surprise you a little bit. Um, talk about nostalgia. When I was 10 years old, all the way back in 1980, Derek, I went to the movie theater to see this little movie about a kid who moves to a new school and gets bullied. And that was my bodyguard. I love this movie. When So when I was 10, I also moved to a new school and I got bullied. So I related to this movie. I saw it in the, in the theater twice, actually. I remember when it came out. And then over the years, I must have watched this movie like just countless times on VHS. And not that long ago, I introduced it to my 13-year-old son. And he, li- he liked it too. This is one of my go-tos. When I want something comfortable just to sit back and watch, like everything about this movie is familiar to me. Everything. The story, which I, I related to, obviously. The characters, the 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 issues that they they tackle in this movie regarding friendship and loyalty and just standing up for yourself you know in a lot of ways it it takes me back to when i was younger and and maybe that's one of the reasons why i love it so much but i really just do love this movie i I find a lot of comfort in it every time that i rewatch it so it is it's right up there on my list it's number two so i I certainly can appreciate that you appreciate it, but you had me watch this after yeah. we did our 1980 draft mm-hmm. and I didn't care for it, no, but you didn't like it. I don't have to love it for it to be important to you. So I, I can respect your decision to pick this one, even though it's, it's not a banger for me. I get why it's important to you. So, mm-hmm. so on to your number one comfort movie, what do you got? My number one movie is, is gotta be my, all, one of my all time favorite movies ever. It's from 2015. It stars our good friend, Matt Damon, and it's the Martian. Oh, it stars. Matt Damon. You really like this movie a lot. I love you this had movie. me watch this. And again, no, I didn't just have like, watch it. Yancey oh, had Yancey. me watch it before That's right, I joined Yancey. the show. And this is okay. this is one of the things that I regret is by not coming onto the show much earlier, you and Yancey had a chance to review two or three of my all-time favorite movies and I wasn't able to participate in the discussion. This is the one that stings the most because I really, really wish I had been able to participate in this episode. But Yancey did a very good job of covering off most of the things I would have talked about. And ju- uh, just like, like it's, it's a flip side too because just like how the last movie you didn't care for mine, I didn't like The Martian either. I didn't think it was very good. I thought it was kind of boring and dumb. Yeah. So again... Well, I, I mean, for me, I always keep one or two movies on my phone because you never know when you're going to be stuck somewhere and maybe don't have Internet service. Or for me, I commute on the subway when I have to go into the office. So you don't have you don't have a reliable Internet service. So I always keep a couple of things on my phone just so that if I feel like watching it, it's there. And The Martian is one of those movies that I have had on my phone basically since it's been available as a digital download. It has never been off my phone. I've never had a phone that didn't have a copy of The Martian, the full video on it. This is my go-to movie. There are scenes that I'll watch just if I'm like, oh, I got 15 minutes. I'm just going to watch this part. I love it start to finish. The cast is fantastic. Matt Damon has never been better in my opinion. Well, maybe Goodwill Hunting, but I think it's great. I think years from now when they look back on Ridley Scott's career, this is definitely going to be considered like one of his top three movies. Uh, maybe let's say top five. Um, and same with Matt Damon. I think that this is going to, you know, stand the test of time. I think looking back, it's going to people are going to remember it fondly. It'll I, I anticipate it will have a resurgence. Maybe when it comes to its 10th anniversary in 2025, I think we're going to see this sort of starting to get a lot of buzz again. Uh, the book, uh, it's based on a book by author Andy Weir. Uh, I, he's put out three or four novels. I've read everything he's put out so far. I think he's a great writer. This was his first. And the book is fantastic. I've read it twice now. I actually just recently repurchased or purchased the uh, Audible download. I can't wait to listen to the book again. I I watched this movie just this week. I love it. This is my go-to movie 99% of the time. I, I, I like Matt Damon. I like movies about outer space. I think the cast is great. I think the dialogue's great. It's highly quotable. Again, we watch this in my house a lot. My wife and I constantly throw quotes back and forth about The Martian. Um, it's got that disco soundtrack, which is kind of both funny and awkward at the same time, but it really fits the movie. And so, of course, when certain songs uh, come on in our house that are featured in this movie, we start making the quotes about the scenes that they're around. 
I love The Martian and I'm not going to apologize for it. I know a lot of people like you don't care for it. They don't think it's a great movie. They don't think it's a great one by Ridley Scott. They don't think it's one of Matt Damon's better movies. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Give me more of The Martian. In fact, you know, when we're done here, maybe I'll throw The Martian on tonight. Like, I love this movie. I love everything about it. I've seen it. Wow. Well over 50 times. Wow. Maybe not 100, but well over 50, maybe probably closer to 75 uh, in its entirety. And I've seen bits and clips well beyond that. Like this movie, this is my 100 percent my go to movie. No question. I have the Blu-ray full Blu-ray extended set. I have the digital download on my phone. I have the audio, the audio uh, audible book. I have the real book. I love this movie start to finish. I think it's great. My number one pick. Your favorite part about the movie is, of course, Matt Damon. No question. Yep. He's got to science the out of this. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, okay. So for my number one movie, first off, I want to say that I'm not going to go with the sort of my trifecta of my favorite three movies. That would be too easy. You know, I've mentioned time and time again here on the podcast, my favorite three movies are Star Wars, Jaws, and Raiders of the Lost Ark in no particular order. And all three count as comfort movies for me. But since I mentioned them all the time here on the podcast, I wanted to go outside of those three movies, you know, just for the sake of this list. But I mean, those those three are go-tos for me too, for comfort. So my number two was My Bodyguard a 1980 movie starring Chris Makepeace. And my number one movie, no surprise. Oh my God. Is a 1979 movie starring Chris Makepeace. So for anyone that's listened to this podcast on any sort of regular basis knows, the movie that I have seen more times than any other movie in my entire life is the one and only Derek. Meatballs. Yes, it's Meatballs. I tell you, this is my movie. Every single scene, every song on the soundtrack, every actor, all of it. It's just this big, comfortable place for me just to go and get lost for 90 minutes. I know this movie so well, I could turn off the sound and I could recite the entire dialogue to this movie. I think when people look for comfort food, they pick something they know and they love, obviously. And, you know, if they want to get comfortable around the house, you you pick your favorite chair, you pick your favorite blanket, that sort of thing. But when it comes to comfort movies, you got to go with something you know and something you love. And you know how much I love this movie. And the thing is, it's weird because I never went to summer camp as a kid. So I can't relate to that. But for me, it's more of just this, just this good little movie that I found at just the right time in my life. It's got Bill Murray in it, who I always have been a fan of it's got some serious canadian content going on i mean hell it was filmed not that far from where i live it's right near where our trailer is so i spent a good part of my summers right near halliburton ontario you know this movie is funny but it's not crude it's just this warm safe place that i always return to over and over and that's something that's never going to change for the rest of my life so Meatballs is my number one. Did nice. that one surprise you? No, not at all. Well, it does and it doesn't in that uh, I figured that uh, your three favorite movies, which we know are Star Wars, Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark in no particular order. I figured those might make the list. But to your point, we talk about those all the time. So I'm glad that you, you know, decided yeah, you not to put them are. on the list. Yeah. So when I once I realized those were not on the list, I figured Meatballs had to be on there somewhere. But um, I just want to run down a couple of movies that that I considered for my list that didn't sure. make them. Yeah. I've already mentioned a couple of them. But uh, again, I, I figured you were probably going to have Raiders, The Lost Ark and Star Wars on your list. So I just mm-hmm. left those off. But in addition to that, I, uh, you know, considerations were Empire Strikes Back. The main Empire Strikes Back mentioned. is a good one. Empire yeah. Strikes Back is good. Too. Pulp Fiction, which I already mentioned. Again, yeah. I figure cler- it was either Clerks or Pulp Fiction for a lot of the same reasons. Um, Shawshank Redemption, but yep. a movie about prison eh, maybe doesn't fit the comfort food kind of mold, but it's definitely one that, you know, I, I certainly have watched a lot. Princess Bride almost made my list, but so I'm glad you had it on yours. And Force Gump's another one that I find uh, I, I tend to watch a lot and it gives me sort of that comfort. But I find with Force Gump, there's a number of scenes that I sort of like, I'm just going to fast forward through this part. Or if I'm watching on TV and it's like, oh, it's this scene. I'm changing it to something else. So I just didn't feel that it was strong enough to make my top five, but there was a lot of good ones to choose from. And, and I'm very content with the ones that I ended up landing with. No, I think that was, uh, well, it was a pretty good list. And I, and I, you know, it was like I say, it's a, it's a bit of a concept that was a little bit, you know, like 
I guess not really foreign to you when I first mentioned it, but it made you kind of step back and think about it. I mean, like, oh yeah, this is kind of a thing. And then even when I mentioned it to my wife, she's like, oh yeah, that's a thing for me too. I have those kind of movies. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So I think it's something everyone can relate to. So, all right. On that note, what do you say? We have some fun with caveman. All right. So Derek, you have been to Vegas recently. You know, you mentioned that. And I know yes. that you're, you're a gambling man. You know, yes, I am. Least, right. You like to do that. So, you know, what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game that is over under. Awesome. OK, I know you like to do that. And it's 50, 50 too, So you're going to go good. So the over under, I'm going to set the over under at twenty five million dollars. OK, I'm going to give you the title of a movie. I'll give you the year it came out. You just tell me if it grossed over or under that amount. $25 million. At the ever domestic, or in its, in its opening weekend? Nope, ever. In its run ever? Okay. at the domestic U.S. box office. Did the okay. movie gross $25 million over or under? Okay? Okay. Got this. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in 1987. No, I got to go under. No, I'm sorry, sorry. It was over. It actually grossed $49 million. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Galaxy Quest from 2000, over or under $25 million? Uh, I want to say under, but I know with the newer movies, the price of admission is more. I'm going to go with under. Damn it. it was over $71 million wow. that one took in. Okay, we're going to go back to 1985 with Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Did it gross no, over? not a chance. That's got to be under. $40 million, wow. baby. $40 million. Wow. Oh, this is, this is great. History of the World Part 1 from 1981. Did it gross over or under $25 million at the U.S. box office? Um, Honestly, I was so young when that came out. I have no memory, so I'm going to stick with stick with what I got. I'm going to go under. $31 million it took in. All right. Wow. We're, now we're going to come into your wheelhouse. So a, little bit, okay. a little bit more into the 2000s. So 2000, 2007. <laughs> okay. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Oh. You know that comedy did it? Gross yeah. over or under $25 million when it came out. Now, if you'd said Shaun of the Dead, I would have been more confident with the under. So let's say that one went over. Oh. $23 million. It was close. All right, 2014. Again, right in your wheelhouse, okay? This is a movie that you love. We've reviewed on the podcast before you came on. But you remember Snowpiercer. From 2014. Did it gross no, there's no, over? There's no way. That's definitely under. Yeah, it only grossed $4 million at the box. Yeah. It's done so. It's done really well on uh, on uh, video and streaming, though. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the director won an Oscar didn't hurt. Yeah, I guess. All right, so we're going to go back to 1983. Cujo. Did Cujo gross over or under $25 million? I think horror movies probably do better than you expect, so I'm going to say over. $21 million, baby. Jeez. $21 million. Wow. I am right. not doing well at this. 2005, this huge Broadway hit came into the movies, and it was called The Producers with Matthew Broderick. Remember that one? Did it, yeah. Did it gross over or under $25 million in 2005? I, I got to think yes. Over. $19 million. It did not do very well. Man, I'm doing so badly on this trivia. 1989, Do the Right Thing. Did do the right thing gross over or under $25 million? Uh, well, I, I know it was a critical success, but I don't think it was a box office success. So I'm going to say under. $27 million it actually took in. It did pretty well. Jeez. And the last one, I love this. You're the Mr. Gambling Man 50-50. I'm loving this. Remember the, the whole nine yards? That came out in 2000. Yes. It grossed $57 million of the box office, but then it, it spawned a sequel. Yeah, the whole in 10 yards. 2004, the whole 10 yards. Did the whole 10 yards gross over or under $25 million? Well, if the, if the first one did that much, the second one's got to have done at least half, which would put us at our number. So I'm going to go with over. $16 million. It did wow. not do very well. I think I only got one right. <laughs> that was... Awesome. You normally kill trivia. You normally kill it. And I thought this one would be Oh, I got killed. That's for sure. What's that? I got killed. That's for sure. You got Snowpiercer, the 100. That was at $4 million. Yes. This is so funny. And you're like, you're Mr. Gambling Guy. I thought that would be a lot of fun to do. And I was like, $25 million. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. This is really low. 
you know, and especially for some of these newer movies, I'm like, like when I, when I was going through in the eighties, lots of movies made less than 25 million. Yeah. Lots. And then as I get into the two thousands, I'm like, everything made a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. They could produce crap. Medea Christmas and all this crap. And it makes like so much money, but, uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> that, that good was for fun. you. I got yeah. crushed, man. That was embarrassing. Ooh, that was fun. What that was my Christmas end. present to you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what, what a way to end things. Hard to believe we're wrapping things up now. Obviously, we're going into Christmas and then we're going to have a best of show next week and we're going to take some time off over the holidays and we'll come back in the new year. Hard to believe, Derek, we're going to be coming back in the new year for season eight. Wow. <laughs> How the hell have we done this? How have we created eight seasons of content? This is amazing. This is so much fun. If only we get paid to do this. I know. Oh, man. I guess it's time for me to say Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Yes, thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and to all of our listeners. Thanks, everyone, for listening and playing along with the trivia. Hopefully you did better than I did this week. And uh, we look forward to everybody uh, joining us again in the new year. I'm sure one of our first episodes will be a look back at 2022. But uh, we, we got usually a lot do of, that, so that'll yeah, be fun. We got we got a lot of a lot of um, irons in the fire here. We'll come up with something clever. Uh, 2022 was our year of the uh, the movie draft. We obviously did all mm-hmm. the years from the 1980s. Yes. So we'll we'll have to put our heads together and come up with something uh, equally entertaining for 2023. And I'm sure that we will. So as we head into season eight, we want to say thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast over the last seven seasons. It's just been amazing. So uh, until next year. This is Chris McBrien. I just want to say thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. On behalf of myself and Derek Myers, this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 